This is a humble man recording. Scano, Sego, Ani, you're listening to the Red Road Podcast with Courtney Skye and Hayden King. There's a funny fat man in a silly red suit Stuck in the smoke hole of our There's a funny fat man in a silly red suit Stuck in the smoke hole of our Ho, 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 what you doing up there? No, 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 you're not coming in here. There's a funny fat man in a silly red suit. Stuck in the smoke hole of our teepee. Oh, hey, uh, hey. Why are you laughing? You you wanted me to sing. <laughs> I did. In our I've podcast never episodes. heard that song before. <laughs> You've never heard that before? No! That's by Old Hands, Shoshone musician and elder. Uh, apparently has a ton of songs like that. I can't even remember who, years ago, somebody mm-hmm. sent me a YouTube video. It's very good. It's very good. Uh, Were you recording that? That recorder was on? I'm recording it. Oh, yes, I'm recording it. I'll probably, I'll probably check it out and... and and, and tell you to cut it afterwards. But Should we do two intros just in case? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Merry Christmas, listeners. There's your Christmas Merry present. Christmas. <laughs> yes, this is the Red Road Podcast Holiday Edition. Although, yeah, I guess so. Are we going to talk about holiday stuff? Yeah. It's my last day coming in to work. So I feel very breaky. Festive? Not, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm festive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I sometimes work, occasionally work. <laughs> I did my last midterm on Monday. Right, for Cayuga? Yes, for my Cayuga language class. Um, I, I, I <sighs> yeah. should tell you that I participated in some cultural appropriation. You did? This week, yes. Mm-hmm. I, bought a, I bought a Cayuga medallion for my... For my son, because he likes dogs. So there's like a Cayuga wolf okay. medallion at Aircrafts. I feel like if you buy anything from Aircrafts, you're not really culturally appropriating. No, but I thought you were Hood and Shoney, so I think that <laughs> counts. <laughs> uh, sorry, I cut you off. You were you wrote your midterm? Yes, I wrote a midterm. Um, you're Hood and Shoney. Yes, yes. Um, by extension, I guess that means your kids are i don't know not exactly you're you're in the territories you're paying respect to the territory that's fine it's christmas time people are buying gifts buying things from indigenous artists yeah yeah we're i'm mm-hmm. out there um yes i'm mm-hmm. i'm beating myself in the mm-hmm. commute earlier earlier today this is the afternoon commute earlier today i was yeah i was this beating is... a gift for somebody <laughs> this is the afternoon commute it is pitch black <laughs> It's true. It's There's amazing. no way you could beat on the way home, so we're doing a podcast because it's so dark outside. Um, uh, so we like to make gifts for our friends and yes. family, but also mm-hmm. lots of incredible Indigenous artists to support this uh, mm-hmm. this this season. Who who whose stuff are you buying? Um, I just bought a Chief Ladybird print uh, from a store in Toronto today. Got that. 
Um, again, a lot of my friends are making gifts, make gifts and exchange them. So I've been mostly myself making stuff and like mailing it to all my friends all over the place. And yeah, I'm trying to think who have I bought gifts for? Or oh, gifts from those indigenous artists that you're buying from. stuff from. Oh, um, I started a whole Instagram account just to follow indigenous beaters. So I got that. There's a Métis lady um, that has a kids company called Evercute. And she does like baby clothes, like Métis style baby clothes. But she also did um, Baby Yoda iron-on transfers and <laughs> decals. And they sold out in one day. Wow. And I woke up and bought them. <laughs> Especially first thing I did in the day was buy them. So ever cute, very cute stuff for babies. And Baby Yoda. I, I, so I did buy a bunch of Julie Flett stuff because I mm -hmm. am in love with Julie Flett's mm -hmm. kids' books and art. Mm -hmm. um, that's always a, a fantastic gift. Mm -hmm. um, and I tried Joy Arc, uh, Joy Arc, Jesus, Joy Arcan stuff. Um, I tried to get, but it looked like she closed for orders before mm -hmm. the break. But I'm a big fan of her mm -hmm. jewelry. Um, and then uh, the Save Res Dogs campaign, trying to get some merchandise from, from them okay. to gift. Uh, I bought Dr. Hill's book and gifted Susan that. Hill? Dr. Susan Hill's book yeah. that the clay we we're made of. Bought those, gifted those out. Thomas King has a new, uh, my favorite, uh, my all-time favorite children's book around Christmas is A Coyote Solstice, mm -hmm. which is wonderful to teach kids about capitalism and um, community but I'm always a little bit hesitant these days about getting into Thomas King but he has a new book out four new coyote stories I was really interested I was, I was gonna buy it I almost bought it uh, maybe I'll go back maybe I'll go back yeah it's uh, yeah it's a tough time of year I guess so what I guess well, I say, it's a weird time of year it's hard it's to build those things time. community politics uh, okay but you celebrate Christmas <laughs> is what you're saying what a transition that is the weirdest transition, <laughs> what a transition. I think that we've ever had what on a the segue Red what uh, a segue did we just like fuck up the section where we're yeah. gonna try to support indigenous artists no yeah oh, okay. a little All bit right. I don't know uh, we'll see but well yeah. I bought some Courtney Sky earrings oh you did yes you did you haven't paid me for them yet I tried much like you owe me money oh, for gas God. okay <laughs> I tried to uh well anyway forget it. I I'm talking a lot about the people I tried to support I guess yeah. if you try to support people you're not actually supporting them no. and by the time people listen to this mm -hmm. podcast it's gonna be like two days before Christmas so yeah uh, forget it. Move on. Let's go. <laughs> so you celebrate Christmas, is what you're saying. Well, do I celebrate Jesus Christ? No. Uh, <laughs> do I hang out with my family and welcome the return of the sun on the winter solstice? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, do I put up a Christmas tree with the most kitschy, fancy dance, mm -hmm. felt drum ornaments that you can find? Mm -hmm. Yes, I do that. I did not take my Christmas tree down last year. I left it up all year. Um, I like to think of it as a, a high femme is tree it, of peace. Is it alive? I mean, it's dead now. Oh, no, it's not. It's a fake tree. Gotcha. So it's like a little three-foot tabletop tree. And I have, like, the big tree. And then I have a bunch of little, also, um, Christmas trees around it. 
other like a little forest scene you really celebrate christmas and i have it's a water theme so if this tree was on the back of a turtle all the ornaments on it are like there's a jellyfish and a whale and i just bought a brand new seal to hang on my christmas tree and a little narwhal and that's what i do with my tree huh. <laughs> you want to know some settler mythology no settler uh mm. what is, what's the, the the genealogy the etymology not the, yeah, like the origins of the christmas tree and how we decorate it yes all right uh, so the I re, I learned this recently because I took my kids to this uh, Christmas thing and I learned all about this. So the, the red balls, the little the globes that you uh, hang on mm -hmm. on the Christmas tree, um, they are supposed to mimic apples because mm -hmm. back in the day people put up these trees and they decorated them with apples. Hmm. What about um, the tiny candles? I don't know about the tiny candles, but one year a family was too poor to put apples on their Christmas tree and they all went to bed sad and then they woke up. And there was a spider that decorated their tree in spider's webs. And so that's the origin of tinsel. That's a cool story. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'd call cobwebs on a tree decorating, but you know well, what? Well, it's sort of spiders like the spider. Cool. Yeah, the spiders yeah. are so cool. And they're getting involved in the, uh, you know, in the, in the whole of the festive spirit. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's some pagan origins to the idea of a Christmas tree. Yeah. Like, objectively, you sit back and you think about why are you putting a tree in the mm -hmm. middle of your house and mm -hmm. decorating it with this stuff. Like You're doing it to tell all the trees in your yard to stay woke. <laughs> Well, this tr uh, I like this trend of getting trees that you're going to plant in the spring. Yeah. So apparently you can buy these trees that come in big buckets. And instead of going and cutting a tree down, you you get a sapling that's, you know, you can plant in the in the fall. So That's really cool. Um, and most yeah. people that have trees in their houses don't have them in their yards. Not all of us yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. no, live not in the sticks. Not everyone lives in the bush like I do. Sorry. Um... I, that's a really interesting point because like most of the things that people celebrate, I think, or enjoy about Christmas are not actually necessarily the Christian roots of it, but more of like the pagan appropriations of like solstice kind of celebrations. Um, I mean, my mom was raised Anglican, so she definitely did like Christmas Eve mass and like would have done stuff in the church. I've never done any of those things. And I remember asking my mom when I was young after like, you know, far too late in life realizing that like what we did around Christmas was not religious at all. And I asked my mom like, what do we, what are we doing? Like what's, why do we celebrate this holiday if like no one really believes in Jesus? And she was just like, we celebrate Santa Claus. <laughs> Right. And we celebrate, we do the gifts, we do like all of that stuff and like the magic of like Christmas time. And my parents definitely lied to me that Santa Claus exists. So I have a lot of like warm memories of being lied to as a small child. And I don't know, I enjoy it. And like you said, like, you spend time with your family, you get to eat yummy food, don't go outside, don't work. It's a good time. Yeah, there's nothing Christ related or religious affiliated about Christmas in my family at least that I can think of I mean like there's we call it Christmas of course and um, mm -hmm. but other than I mean nothing really it is just about um, showing gratitude to your, your your family and your friends and spending time and mm -hmm. the magic obviously with my my kids is important to me and that's I try to convey that in as many different ways uh, as possible 
uh, whether it's Christmas or not. But this year actually was the first year that they ever hung out with a Santa Claus. You know what I mean? Like kids will take their Santa Claus, their ki kids, people will take their <laughs> kids to malls and have their kids sit on Santa Claus's lap and so they yeah. have never done that. But coincidentally, we were at this place, my daughter had a dance thing and uh, a Santa Claus showed up and like greeted all the kids on their final dance recitals. And um, tell my kids like get in line and go and sit with them. And then I, I take a photo and my son just has this really strange look on his face and he gets off Santa's knee and he comes to me and I'm like, what's going on? What's the problem? And he's like, Santa has really bad teeth. Why does Santa have bad breath? <laughs> And of course, it's this like ancient dude. He had a real beard, actually, yeah. but you know, this Renta Santa off of the street who had yellow teeth and bad breath. So it's like, yeah, it's not all it's cracked up to be. And so now I have to try to explain to my kid why Santa has these decrepit teeth and bad breath. And it's just like, he's just really, really old. He's been around since the 1600s. Yeah. He's rotting from the inside out. He's just rotting. <laughs> and by the time you're nine, you will, he'll be dead or 10 or whatever yeah. the ages. Yes. You remember when you learned that Santa Claus was a phony? Yes. You do? I definitely do. Um, it was like this, I think the same way that like a lot of kids do where it's like kind of like a rumor that happens on the, in the school. Yeah, yeah. Where it's like, Santa couldn't possibly be real kind of thing, right? I would say that like my mom went above and beyond to try and like instill a real sense of like wonderment in Santa um so when we would like wake up Christmas morning it would obviously be like super like you know the extra presents under the tree that weren't there when the night before but my mom also would like pull out like fancy like bowls and like dishes and like our table dining room table would just be covered with like huge oranges and like huge apples and like fruit and all kinds of candy and like nuts and stuff on the table and just like all this kind of like you know all this other kind of stuff and it was always just so like it was like stuff I had never seen before that she obviously like kept tucked away and like the biggest oranges you've ever seen in your life that you like were not at the grocery store and it all just seemed like so wonderful so it was always just like a really special nice time are we uh, are we colonized? We're celebrating this uh, this this Christian holiday. I'm colonized in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, <laughs> Colonialism mm -hmm. just lean into rears it, its other head. Yeah, rears its ugly head in my life all the time. And Do you know of any yeah. Indians that don't celebrate Christmas though? Yes. Really? I know a bunch of Haudenosaunee people that don't celebrate Christmas. That don't put trees up. Are they like Haudenosaunee Jewish? <laughs> okay. No, they are, um, I know more Haudenosaunee, um, Buddhists than I do Haudenosaunee Jews. Huh. Um, but they, um, yeah, a lot of like traditional people are going back to like not celebrating Christmas and like not celebrating Easter, but obviously like a lot of people still have eat meals on, you know, stat holidays big meals with their families, trying to de-emphasize the commercialism yes, that yes. is uh, around Christmas. That's why I'm trying to make more of my gifts for people mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. like spend time and like actually like create something for them that's like meaningful that they'll use. Um, I probably will not finish anyone's gifts on time. <laughs> so some of my like friends extended network are going to get like 
midwinter's gifts or like new year gifts as opposed to like christmas day gifts and hopefully that'll be good enough so what are, what 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 are, what what are, what's midwinter about midwinters it's like Haudenosaunee super bowl <laughs> <laughs> um midwinter ceremonies are the biggest ceremony most important ceremony for Haudenosaunee people it follows a certain celestial pattern time of year um but it takes place surprise in the midwinter um and it is depending on what longhouse you go to after the like um new year of like the settlers so the first new moon after the um new year five days after that is like when we start our ceremony cycle and it's like seven to ten days of like our most important dances, our most important feasting. And it's like, just like quintessentially, uh, like how Haudenosaunee people can be so extra. It's like how many other nations that have, that live where it snows, have their biggest and most important feast days in the middle of winter when like everyone is starving and you have to have like accumulated, you know, have excess food production <laughs> to then feast for seven to 10 days. So, but the point of the ceremony is where we do like baby names and um, express gratitude for creation and where we put our most powerful and extra effort into thanking creation and all the gifts of creation so that the earth will renew itself again. And so that the first sign of life returning is um, sap, sap running in the trees. So it's about like being thankful, expressing thankfulness that the sap will run again, that the strawberries will return, that the trees will return, and that life will renew itself. The Super Bowl of ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl. <clears throat> and so that's sort of holiday E. I mean, you don't want to conflate the two, of course, but mm-hmm. uh, no. that's but it's coming like up. Important ceremonies, important medicine days. That's coming up. Um, and also New Year. So, I mean, I know a little bit about this, a little bit about both of those, but mm-hmm. you just go around and collect donuts from people, right? It's like trick-or-treating with donuts. Um, New Year? Yeah. Yes. So New Year... Is Can you say another? it one more time? New Year. <laughs> okay. What? Nothing, nothing, nothing. Go ahead. What? Go right ahead. <laughs> so, New Year is another colonized holiday that Haudenosaunee people celebrate. Um, when, I don't know if you know this, but Haudenosaunee people and Dutch are like very tight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And throughout history, um, Haudenosaunee people lived in close proximity to a lot of Dutch people. And our first treaty was with Dutch people, etc. Um, there's actually like a form of like Mohawk Dutch huh. that was like a, a merged language that kind of faded out of like a mixture of our languages. Like Machif. Yes. So Nuya is like one of these words, like a Dutch greeting that is still part of like Haudenosaunee culture. And so it's a Dutch tradition to do this kind of holiday on the new year and Haudenosaunee people have adopted it and kind of redefined it for ourselves. So it is on the first day of the new year, 
um, kids go to essentially just like their family's house or extended family's house. And it's like trick-or-treating. Um, and instead of saying trick-or-treat, they say nuya, nuya. And then they get home baking. So it's usually like little oranges and like maybe candy canes and Indian cookies and Indian donuts. Bertha's guy makes the best Indian donuts yes. on the planet for the record. So, um, and people do that. There's like it's a, nice. It's nice. There's like a subset of people that make Indian donuts to do with potatoes and huh. then glaze them. And I think those are the best ones. All right, okay. okay. I have to try those. I've never tried Also, the subset of people that make Indian cookies and put butterscotch chips in them, those are my favorite Indian cookies. Hmm. But that's another way that, like, people only see this as, like, a Haudenosaunee kind of practice. You know what? I mean, you've just unleashed a dozen anthropologists (laughs) on Six Nations to go and study this phenomenon, I'm sure. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) That was funny. But it's not like our thing, right? It's like a, it has like these Dutch roots in it. So I really like it. It's one of my favorite traditions. And it really, for our family, like, I don't know. It's kind of like a a neater thing to do than like spending your New Year's Day like hungover. Right. (laughs) Who wants to do that? Yeah. yeah. You can't. Regretting all the resolutions that you made. Yes. Where it's like, no, if you have to get up at 6 30 and make donuts. You're not getting too lit on New Year's Eve. Right. But it's interesting, you know, how all these are remixed. Like, all these traditions are remixed. And it's just, like, celebration in the time of colonialism. You just take these opportunities and tools and whatever you have to, like, refashion them and uh, sort of reinsert whatever indigeneity you can. I think about... uh, one of the things that we do around this time of year is also naming ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So like midwinters, you talked about baby naming. Mm-hmm. Um, for Nishnabek, whether you do it in the lodge or outside of the lodge, it can happen any time of the year, but there are um, certain times of the year that it's more common. And one of them for us, and I think other communities in our region is um, what is basically Orthodox Christmas, mm-hmm. which is January 8th every year, uh, what's often called Little Christmas. Um, and so back in the day when naming ceremonies were outlawed, obviously not, you know, I mean, they were outlawed, they were discouraged, they were, you know, disciplined for mm-hmm. performing those types of ceremonies. They went underground. And one of the ways that um, Nipissing First Nation maintained this practice, the naming ceremony and giving names, was to convince the Indian agents and the nuns uh, that were in their community um or tricked them really was to pretend that they were celebrating Orthodox Christmas, to pretend that they were celebrating little Christmas. And what they would actually be doing is giving kids and sometimes adults, well, at least today, anyway, adults mm-hmm. names that, uh, they had been given in a lodge or, um, by the eldest, uh, uh, uh relative in their family by their auntie or whatever. And so that has, uh, that's a tradition that I think has spread throughout other communities, a tradition that we practice in my community. So every, Every 8th of January, people come together at the rec center and and um, kids get their names. Their, um, they get their uh, their Nishnabe names. And and it's a really um, nice event. It's not like, you know, traditional. It's not ceremonial. Well, there's ceremonial, depending on who leads the naming ceremony, the pipe, the pipe, the, sorry, the uh, pipe might be smoked. Um, so they, it can be ceremonial. Uh, other times it's it's a little bit uh, less so, but uh, that's one of these traditions, you know, that we've we've kept alive through 
like imperfect frameworks and structures and obviously we have the parallel system where naming mm -hmm. happens in the lodge but uh mm -hmm. this is one of my favorite ones you know where mm -hmm. my daughter got her name last year mm -hmm. um at uh Ugi Magizis, so yeah i guess mm -hmm. we uh do a lot of that i mean like easter i turn easter into nana bojo day for my kids mm -hmm. um I, I yeah i appreciate all these different ways that like people redefine and adapt to modernity for indigenous people and i try to think differently about how we what do what these all mean and like does it mean that we're less Haudenosaunee or doesn't mean we're less indigenous if we like do these things and and I was talking with one of my friends we went uh, shopping in the states and she was just saying like you know there are these values of um, you know these these acts of generosity of like spending time with your family of you know that you're caring for people and your family members by like giving them gifts and stuff th those align with our values and so we might do it at the same time as other people's doing it but we, you know, it's not contrary to our value system to do those kinds of things. No, I, I mean, I think that they're really powerful symbols of resistance. Maybe not like new, yeah, but mm -hmm. the naming ceremony that I'm talking about, like we still do that every little Christmas and we don't have to. Like there's no Indian agent on a reserve not letting us perform naming ceremonies anymore. We don't have to do it, but it's like mm -hmm. a, it's like a recognition of our resistance through time that we've kept mm -hmm. this tradition alive. Mm -hmm. You know, no one's going there to celebrate little Christmas. Mm -hmm. No one's going there to in invoke, you know, mm -hmm. any yeah. of that stuff. We're going there to name our kids. Yeah. Um, and so I really <laughs> like that we, you know, our path through colonization has shaped us, right? I remember one time, <laughs> it was just strange that I was giving a talk to Walter Mingolo of all people. And I was asking, you know, am I more or less authentic than my ancestors? And you know, the conclusion that I've reached is, you know, I'm not fluent in my language. I'm not, you know, a deeply ceremonial person. I um, do not do the things that my ancestors have done, but my path through colonization and my fathers, my grandparents are still a part of being indigenous, you know, for better or worse and how we take those experiences and adapt them to our lives to ensure that our children and their children's children can live more indigenously than we did. Um, and I think that's part of our experience. And, and it's, I think it's why I don't love having these conversations about authenticity, like what is authentic and what is pure and what's not. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that they're, they're counterproductive and we, they descend into these arguments of, you know, who's nativer than who, you know, I'm mm -hmm. traditional, you're uh, uh, moderate or, you know, I'm ceremonial, you're colonized. You know, it's, it's, it's not really that helpful. I, there are important lines to be drawn, and I think it does come back to values. Like if you're perpetuating harm in your community versus upholding the values that you're talking about, it's not as clean and clear as that. There's obviously uh, a lot of gray area and in interpretation, but that's where I that's where I land anyway. So even though that these traditions that we're celebrating or indigenizing or colonizing, to use your word, you know, colonial holidays. Um, we're doing it in these really creative and I think restorative ways. Yeah, I think that we're doing all of these things simultaneously, right? And I think that like through the passage of time, like people have to continue to participate in 
I guess, like daily life as much as other people or, you know, or as any people that are alive in 2019, soon to be 2020 are doing. And it's, I try not to think too much about it because I think that like, it does bring into this like sharp focus, like the fact that like, I was thinking about this earlier about like, um, am I British or not? <laughs> and like a lot of the ways that people- Are you British? Yeah, are like a lot of the ways that people claim to be indigenous. Could I use those same logics? And would I then be considered uh, British? You mean like the president yeah. of the Native Women's Association of Canada having an ancestor from 240 yeah. years ago? Yes. And claiming to be Algonquin. You were saying you have <laughs> one British ancestor from... I'm 164th British. So how many years ago is that? Um, he, he, was, he came to Canada in 1807. Okay, so even... That's all right. So we're talking so about 220, 210 yeah. years ago, you have the British. So you're more yeah. British than the president of the Native Women's Association of Canada is Algonquin. Yes. So when I think about my British ancestor, I think about this British person. Wow. Um, and I think about like the way that people claim authenticity is like an identity. Is that like I think like, well, I know who he is. I actually have a picture of him. Um, he was you guys part look of. <laughs> we do not look alike. He's <laughs> a landed gentry, and but this man who came here as like a child with his parents, he ended up marrying one of my female ancestors. So he was adopted through our traditional ways. So by Haudenosaunee law, he is Haudenosaunee, and he's actually buried at Six Nations on the reserve, and. But I think about like the fact that, you know, British and Church of England, my mother was raised Anglican. So my mother has this British religion and I practice Christmas. And, and your favorite I, TV show is yeah, The Crown. I am, as most Mohawks are, shamefully monarchist. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy the monarchy gossip. There's some people out there that think that <laughs> Queen Victoria is Mohawk. She, and Victoria Day is something to be celebrated. Bread and cheese. Bread, bread and cheese. You're right, exactly. Bread yeah, and cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a huge deal. So I, but I have, and I speak the language. And I have been to those homelands. Doesn't it feel nice to say that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So all of these things that we talk about, like what if all these things are the things that matter, we talk about whether someone is Haudenosaunee or whether someone is indigenous or not. You know, I know I can name that ancestor. I know my direct descendants. I actually have common um, kin. So our common descendants or our people that have this shared ancestor, my cousin, we had lunch today and I maintain relationship with people that are of that same descendancy and you know, they acknowledge their British ancestry as well. Does that make me British? And people would say, of course it doesn't, because that person was adopted Haudenosaunee and every single one of my other ancestors. So the 63 other ancestors that I have in that generation are all Haudenosaunee. They're all either Tuscarora, um, Mohawk, or Cayuga. And British law and British custom 
would not acknowledge me. And according to their laws and rights, I am not British. And it ignores all of the other people and all the other Haudenosaunee people. It ignores like my father and his family and the fact that there's no one that we can discern in that family tree that is non-Indigenous. And it's just, they think of all these parallels. And I think of the ways in which we'd say like that through redefining and, and tolerating and resisting and adapting to colonialism that we come up with all these other ways to define like who might be Indigenous or not. And what it doesn't well those things don't always encapsulate and prioritize are the existing laws of those nations and the customs that are alive today and what does accountability look like within those definitions okay okay so that's just like the casual thoughts that i'm having casual thoughts how, <laughs> how does that relate to christmas <laughs> well because i think about i was thinking about christmas because like does participating in this Church of England ceremony, right, 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 does right. that make me British? Gotcha. Um, what do you think? Am I British? Ah, uh, man. <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> Sorry, do you want to be British? Um, I wouldn't mind a title. I mean, you're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather be British than Canadian. Okay. Is that the most Mohawk thing I've ever said? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that might get you kicked out. No, no, I don't know. No, it probably wouldn't. <laughs> it probably wouldn't. Um, Nisa is listening to this being right now. Like, Nisa recently tweeted um, that, like, Seneca's, Cugas, and Onondagas suffer because of Mohawk fealty to the crown. <laughs> I think we all suffer because of Mohawk fealty to the Listen, <laughs> if we want to really have a conversation about Mohawk and British relationships, we can talk about Haudenosaunee <laughs> colonization of the Great Lakes or attempted colonization and the reason why so many of our... Anyway, never mind. It's Christmas. Go in a very dark path. Let's avoid this conversation for this now. This eternal argument. This well, is like my favorite I'm argument. just waiting for the opportunity to expose Mohawk colonialism. <laughs> An empire building. <laughs> but you're right. It's Christmas. Yeah. Isn't that kind of annoying, you know? And sometimes what? people use those. Can't talk about that bad thing right now because mm. it's, it's Christmas. Uh, it's Christmas. Or you can't talk about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a nice reprieve from the other days when you're like, oh, God, I have to have this conversation again. What if we instituted <laughs> rules where you, Native people can't be cynical? Like two weeks. We would die. From like... <laughs> two of us would be dead. Christmas, from winter solstice <laughs> until New Year. New Year. No cynicism allowed. It would be impossible. You Just would explode. Like, <laughs> tangerines and beadwork. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Both things that have been imported <laughs> into indigenous culture. You would be cynical about your beadwork. <laughs> Sorry, beadwork, of course, not imported into Indigenous culture, but maybe certain glass beads. Yes. The Japanese and Czech beads that I like to use. Yes. Shout out to Sussman's Beading Supply on Ottawa Street in Hamilton. If mm -hmm. there are any beaders listening to this podcast in the uh, yeah. GTHA region, otherwise known as Nishnabek territory. Dish with one spoon territory, the territory, um, homelands. Yeah, yeah. I think that we need to have an updated episode on the dish with one spoon too. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm. I have, I've begun to rethink my I thoughts on the dish with one spoon. I will always just re-reference Susan's and her interpretation and get my facts from an actual historian. Yeah, yeah. I and guess so. do that and continue to 
promote childhood insurance propaganda. Fine, My fine, gift fine, to the world. Fine, fine. Okay, we said we were going to stop being cynical and. Well, I'm just saying what would happen if we just I'm stopped just being saying- cynical. Like, you know how many <laughs> oh. friendships I have that are based on cynicism? Like, I. Ours? This podcast is based on cynicism. <laughs> what are you talking shared- about? This is the Red Road. We're oh. about revitalization. Yes. And reclamation and remixing and. Re- not reconciliation. <laughs> no. All the R words, right? All the R words. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's true. So it would be nice to have a little bit of a break from that. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yes, I am cynical. I feel like it is. One of the things that I've actually found very comforting about my cynicism is that it's, you know, it allows me to be critical. I hope it doesn't bar me from being, like, constructively critical of things and but you're right i mean are we all just going to quit policy research academia and just reinvest ourselves into like language and beating it doesn't sound like yeah, a bad idea that'd be a great idea actually <laughs> yeah hunting just gonna go and hunt it's gonna go Food's sit on the ground team. for the rest of my life uh no i mean obviously i feel like this has sort of been a positive podcast we're talking about the great things mm-hmm. that we do around this time of year mm-hmm. which uh revitalize there's another r word for us mm-hmm. our nations our communities mm-hmm. um restore ourselves yeah i mean uh, my family started a new tradition last year which was we are because i have like nieces that are like young um and the kids there's a bunch of kids like under 10 in our family we've started doing board game night on new year's eve cool. so going and having dinner at my grandma's house and playing board games until midnight with like the little kids and then taking them home, putting them to bed and then getting up early for New York. And I that's like really, that. That yeah. sounds good. I don't, play, I don't play nearly enough board games. I, yeah, I really want to play more board games. Christmas should like be a time for board yeah. games. You know, you're just hanging out with your family, put about the cards. Yeah. Euchre is a big thing for my family. That yeah. would destroy our family. <laughs> <laughs> don't play Monopoly. Don't play yeah, Euchre. Yeah, Monopoly's a bad idea. Monopoly's don't bad play idea. Left, Right, Center. My kids will never play Monopoly because I am trying to instill anti-capitalist values. Um, but Euchre, yes. Uh, there's an annual Euchre tournament that my uh, friend hosts every every uh, every year, which is wonderful. I've won once, actually. I'm a, I'm a Euchre champion. So I... In, as we were talking about earlier, fondness for the Dutch. I was, I used to date a guy who was Dutch. And he and... Dutch are from Denmark, right? I have no idea. And, or Holland. <laughs> Holland. Yeah, so Or Amsterdam he, is. Yeah. He, Rotterdam. his dad and his brother and I would always play Euchre together. And for the three years that we dated, I always had to be partners with his brother. And my boyfriend used to be partners with his dad. And we played in these pairings for three years. And um, my ex's brother and I won every single game of Euchre we ever played oh, wow. for three years. Damn. Yeah. I'm surprised it lasts three years. Last yeah. years. Mm-hmm. My, my father was, um, you know, there's no high school on the reserve. Just like there's no high school on virtually any reserve in, in Ontario and I think Canada. So when he was 13, he had to be uh, adopted out and he went to live with this family. Um, wonderful people uh, in the Gray County area, you know, like Blue Mountains area. Yeah. And um, he went into this high school and then, um, you know, went on in, in life and got into construction and all that sort of stuff. But he maintained 
relationships with his adopted family. So our tradition when I was growing up was every Christmas Eve, we would go out to their house in the country, uh, we would exchange gifts, we'd have, you know, dinner, and then the rest of the evening, the adults would um, sit around, get out the old card tables and play euchre and drink tomato juice with pepper in it. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> like I don't know a, why I remember the tomato juice and pepper in it, but when the kids like would a, just like run around and do whatever they think. So euchre is really actually a family tradition for me. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a Christmas tradition. budget Caesars. Budget Caesars. I don't remember. You you know what? They may have been Caesars. Mm-hmm. I think they were just tomato juice. So. It might have been Caesars. Caesars are one of my favorite drinks. Side is that a holiday note. drink or is it a summer drink? Um, it's like an anytime drink. It's like right. a, a Canadian drink, which is like weird. I didn't know that. Canadian or British? Canadian. Right, okay. Because it's like the tomato juice with the clam in it. It's Canadian culture right there. As opposed to, like, do Canadians have culture? I mean, oh, we just proved that they do. Oh. The Caesar. Pudding cl- and the Nanaimo bar. Tim Hortons. <laughs> And the premier of Ontario is Timbit, so there we go, full circle. <laughs> uh, we we're supposed so, to talk about something else. Um, yeah, this has kind of been a rambly episode, <laughs> wasn't it? I think that we were we were going to do an update on what's new in Indian country politics, uh, and then we just sort of. I think our our sort of banter at the beginning was going to be Christmas, and then we we're going to talk about Mac Miller and. Mac Miller? Mac Mark, Miller's dead. Mark, Mark, right. Mac <laughs> Miller's dead. Recipes, Mac Miller. Mark Miller, who is the uh, new Indian affairs minister. New head Indian agent. <clears throat> well, I think, like, there's a few things to talk about. And, it, you know, I mean, I think we should do, on the Red Road podcast, we should do more of these, like, what's happening today in Indian country? I mean, people are sort of interested in our analysis, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, what's happening? So... Uh, president of NWAC is exposed as probably a pretendian. Uh, Mark Miller is out there singing the praises of devolution. This guy who, is he fluent in Mohawk? I, he's, well, what is fluency, first of all? But he okay. speaks Mohawk. He speaks Mohawk. I'm sure he can, like, read whatever people translate for him. Um, risky game, I think, because as we know, if you piss Mohawks off, they will eat you. So, pretty yeah, dangerous game. Mark Miller, yeah. Um, um, there's a declaration yeah. on the rights of indigenous people legislation in British Columbia that's uh, uh, now law. The Trans Mountain Pipeline trial is going on. Right uh, now? Federal, the Supreme Court's hearing the. Uh, is the Federal Court of Appeal or the Supreme Court? I think. I think it's the Federal Court of Appeal. Well, it's when you uh, take a, court, a case to Superior Court and the Superior Court uh, rules against you, then you can go take it to the Federal Court of Appeal, and um, if the Federal Court of Appeal agrees with you, then it can go to the Supreme Court. Um, what stuck out? And if it disagrees you? with you, then it's done. We should have done a year in review. What has stuck out for you in right. 2019? We should have done a year in review. I mean, I think that I think that the first thing that comes to mind, just because it's sort of around this time of the year, last year it happened, was Jody Wilson-Raybould and the SNC-Lavalin scandal. And the SNC thing came out today. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So I don't even know what the punishment was they got fined like over 200 million dollars right fine and they can still bid on contracts so Um, they're not barred from like getting government contracts okay good for them um jody wilson raybould yeah so so i think um 
so that I think was a, a, a big deal and you know led to a lot of productive conversations maybe over mm-hmm. over the the winter I think um, geez what else we was really should have prepared for this we need to point? have a conversation about year in review high yeah. point what do you high, mean high point was it like a high, high point, point of like notable, notable most controversial point. or was it like a low point in India politics what's <clears> yeah What's my thoughts on Jody Wilson Raybould? I don't know. Well, I just feel like great. it was the big thing of the. I yeah. mean, but again, it was this time last year, so that's what I'm. Mm-hmm. That's why maybe it's on the top of my mind. But so um, that was like the biggest then, thing of Well, no, I mean, right, right after that happened, then the RCMP raided the uh, Unistaten Healing Lodge. I mean, yeah. to get him in uh, checkpoint, and then. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, obviously pretty monumental, and then of course, uh, the NEB's decision to push through with. Mm-hmm. Um, the Trans Mountain Pipeline against First Nation opposition and really shitty consultation. Uh, Bill C-92, the child welfare law, I think was a big deal. The, uh, so reconciliation mis- is happening. Missing and murdered Indigenous women's inquiry released their findings. Um, the reconciliation train is just trucking so, along. So, I mean, if I spend some time to think about it, uh, you know, there's a handful of really kind of big developments. You're going to have to go to work during the break so you Wasn't can do Wasn't there was an break. AFN election? Not that this really, nobody cares about that. Who but. cares? Um, but yeah, AFN re-elected, um, what's his face? Harry Belgard. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like this is a very flippant podcast. It's a very like <laughs> rambly flippant, I, we have to apologize. We started out so high with that song I and now we're just like. prefer to be called a reverend. We're totally <laughs> holiday mode mailing it in mm-hmm. more than usual. I, this is the tone of our thing. This is like the true spirit of this podcast is that it's just like a nice Nobody should listen to what road. our conversation right now. This is like, this is not podcast material. This is... Uh... You don't listen to podcasts. How do you know what's <laughs> podcast material? <laughs> well, listeners, this is uh, the holiday version of the Red Road podcast. If we had thought ahead a couple minutes, then we probably could have prepared for a year in review <laughs> podcast, which is a really good idea maybe we'll do another episode uh, maybe we'll do a year in review before Haudenosaunee so. New Year alright that sounds good I mean that would be good then we could yeah. talk about our favorite, indi- favorite indigenous music and literature and movies although you don't you don't do any of those things I read Indian books this year okay I read at least two of them well, Alicia do- Elliott's book and David Truer's book let's do a podcast on it mm-hmm. alright well um we should we should uh, should we sing out? Should we sing our way out? Um, I would say one thing. If you had to recommend a gift for someone to give that they still had time to get before the end of the before Christmas, what would you recommend someone give as a gift? Well, uh, I came up with that dilemma myself yesterday, and that's why I started a new beadwork project and gave my friend a mm-hmm. beautiful. You also ran to Six Nations, your homelands, (laughs) to purchase gifts from Haudenosaunee businesses. Yeah, well, you know what? I I, I love your crafts and wish I could support your crafts more, but I mean, they really need, uh, they really need some, they need some new stock. They have really, they've expanded their beading supplies. They've expanded their um, fabric. If you need fabric now, you can get that at your crafts. Uh, very beautiful fabric there. Um, I would uh, recommend. Okay. Okay. Um, my favorite book of the year that I read, which was *The Heartbeat of Wounded Knee*. 
David Truer. By David Truer, which was like a book that I listened to on audiobook. And like if I'm driving, sometimes I'll just put it on and listen to it just because the story is so good and informative. Um, which you can get at like an Indigo Chapters or Alicia Elliott's book, which is new. If you know someone who hasn't read that, that's a good gift idea. I think books are always a good idea too. Yeah, you're someone. right. I, I, that, if you don't have a, if you're running out of uh, ideas, but it's also you really want to make gifts personal, right? Mm-hmm. I feel, I feel, comp- I feel like gifts have to be personal. So when I, when you go and you give somebody a gift and it's a book that you really care about, then it makes it pretty personal, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, so that, yeah, that's a good idea. Or sometimes like notebooks. I mean, not everyone is into notebooks and writing and scribbling their thoughts or you know, doodling or drawing. But I, I like a good, I like a good notebook. It's a good, good, good gift. Mm-hmm. Food, coffee. Food, yes. Oh my god, I love food. I bought new cookie cutters. I'm not gonna spoil it. I'm gonna post it on Twitter later and get a bunch of likes after I make these cookies. But I got new cookie cutters that are fucking lit. <laughs> there you go. Cookie cutters. So I don't think our podcast has improved since three minutes ago when we said we were going to end this thing. Okay. You're going to uh, sing us no, out. You're going to sing us out. What are you going to sing? I don't sing at all. Uh, I do not sing. I know you sing. I know you sing in Longhouse. I do not sing in Longhouse. Uh, I do not. It's like also like an inappropriate time for a seed song, you know? Fine. <laughs> Um. <laughs> uh, okay, well, well Nia to our listeners Yes, yes, yes um, Thank you for listening to The Red Road For, uh, I don't know, for how many years we've been doing this A year and a half? Has a it year been and almost a half, year yeah and half, a year? It's been a year and a couple months Because we were doing this podcast last Christmas We didn't around do Around last Christmas. Christmas We didn't do a Christmas episode We, we had to double check Yeah Um uh, Oh my gosh, yes, so, yeah, I appreciate been, our listeners. It's been so fun, much. it's been fun, it's been fun. And I and uh, we hope that you have a restful, uh, very long break uh, that you can spend with your families or friends or animals. Your chosen family. Your chosen family. And uh, mm-hmm. be safe and happy and not cynical and uh, do all that good work to indigenize, assimilate, colonize settler traditions and um, make them ours in the most radical ways possible. And Happy New Year. Is that how you say it? No. Okay. You say it then. New Year. New Year. You've been listening to the Red Road Podcast created by Courtney Skye and Hayden King sounding audio editing by Humble Man Recording Find us on Twitter, Instagram, Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. I've been driving in my Indian car to the pound of the wheels drumming in my brain. My dash is dusty, my plates are expensive.